Well, if you open your Bibles this morning to the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 31, this is, this is the same section of text we studied last week. That's why we're calling it part two. Um, and, and we focused last week, a big part of last week was focusing on how the orphan would be adopted. <laughs> that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, little did we realize how, how many ministries the Holy Spirit accomplishes for our benefit. And one of them is giving us the experience of God as Father, not just the doctrine of God as Father. And so that was one of the ministries uh, that we studied last week about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would turn the doctrine, doctrine of God, not, not just the doctrine of God as Father into an experience, but other doctrines as well. So you know, I don't know what kind of background you come from. Um, we, come, we all come from different church backgrounds, different, different philosophical views and, and ways of, 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 of uh, interpreting and applying scripture. I understand that. So I want you to be able to take a deep breath when I'm going to be talking frequently about not just believing the doctrine, but experiencing the life that's in the doctrine. I think as we unpack it today, so that's going to be very prevalent in today's um, text, in today's lesson. And I, I hope that, you know, maybe you're, you're a person who you've seen a lot of abuses about people talking about spiritual experiences. Well, let's, let's be discerning. Let's be discerning. Let's be biblically discerning. But, but sometimes we confuse biblical discernment with just skepticism and fear, maybe even a little anger, a little little pride, a little bit of self-righteousness sometimes. Um, God speaks to us in Scripture using terminology inspired by Him that is filled with doctrinal substance. But so much of the terminology is also filled with the, the, the feel of life experience. So I really want to encourage you to to relax today, if, 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 if talking about spiritual experience can maybe make you a little nervous because of abuses, we, we join with you in wanting to stand against the abuses of experience for experience sake. But we want to welcome the experiences that God's truth would give us as his children. Not because we're looking for the experience as much as we're wanting to honor God for the work of his spirit in our lives. So, so that's what we'll be uh, doing this morning in a very unique way. Uh, how the Holy Spirit, uniquely the power of God and the peace of God. So you can't talk about power and peace without including some sense of experience, right? So let's, let's look to see what scripture has to say to us today. This is John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, 
you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place. So that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me. So that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. Oh Lord. Would you the inspiration. Lord, we're so grateful for the inspiration of the Spirit in writing the sacred text of Scripture and in the writing of it. We're also so grateful for the presence of the Spirit to help us understand it, help us apply it, and help us experience your presence with us. God with us. What a joy. It's no wonder that our hearts need not be troubled. It's no wonder that we can have peace, not the way the world seeks it. Because God is with us. How we love you. How we want to know you more through your word. How we want to experience you more as our father and our friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, would you help me with the introduction this morning? If you feel comfortable doing this, I want to ask you to do an exercise with me. So you know those little things. What's the first thing that comes to your mind questions? Okay, that's one of these questions. So what is the first thing that comes to your mind if I mention the words Holy Spirit? Anybody want to volunteer? My first thing was what? What's what? Say it again, Andrew. Very, okay, good. Listen, there's going to be a lot of right answers here, okay? Um, way to go, buddy. Way to, way to march forward. That's awesome. Uh, what else? What came to your mind first? Helper. Helper. Very good. What else? Conscience. Your conscience? Conscience. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, very good. Yes, we don't. Jesus rising from the grave. Yeah, is that what you said? Yeah, okay, very good. 
Trinity. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Comforter. Comforter. Yes. <laughs> so for those of us who need interpretation, um, it, and so I heard you say Paracletes. What it so meaning? One who. So don't give me the Greek and not give me the, the interpretation, the definition. So Pericles, you're right. It means the one who comes alongside to help and render aid, right? And that's great truth. He is. That's the word helper, Pericletes, right? Anthony. Weird uncle. Weird uncle. That is, so if, if, you're, if, if you've not been in Sovereign Grace circles, so it's... it's um, so often we, we, we make much of the Father and we should. We make much of the Son and we should. But sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit kind of like the weird uncle that he, he comes. We just let him out like in holidays, you know, um, sort of a thing. Yeah, Anthony, I love that. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, Brent. Uh, all caps, power. Power. All caps, power. Would it not be power if it was just a capital P and the rest? No. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Great, yeah, power. Sort of spiritual gifts. This, spirit of truth. Yes, awesome. My friend, back in the back. The Holy Spirit seals. The sealing of the Holy Spirit. S E A L I N G. Very good. Oh, this is great. This is great. One more. Yeah, the work of the Spirit being reflected out from people to you, right? Oh, that's very, very good, Robbie. Very good. Well, there, there's one, one thought that I have. That I don't know if I've ever had this thought until studying this. Did anyone think of the word love? Holy Spirit. Oh, love. And if not, why not? And could that, that issue alone, if you could leave here today and that is what God accomplishes, that'd be great. Because I think one of the problems that we have in misunderstanding the Holy Spirit is we go from Holy Spirit to gifts. We go from Holy Spirit to power. Almost as though we, we not, not intentionally, but we reduce him to force. Almost, you know, the, the force be with you. <laughs> Sterile, impersonal. But that wouldn't happen if our first thought about the Spirit was love. What I hope to show you today is the Bible starts with love in regard to the New Testament doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That's what I hope you'll see today. Um, so let's, let's dig into this today. The main point is the same one from last week. God gives us his peace and power through the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'm using the words peace and power there, and you'll, you'll see why. You'll, that'll come out of the text. But there's more to that word power than meets the eye. Um, so let's, let's look at the first point this morning. This is just a review of last week. We're going to go through this really fast. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who provides us with the presence of God. 
Jesus promised his disciples that, he, that they would not be left alone after his death. He promised that they would continue to experience his presence through the coming of the Spirit. Verse 16, Jesus just flat out tells them, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And remember what we said last week. Another, this is in your notes. Another means another of the exact same kind. The Spirit is equal in deity attributes and nature with the Father and the Son. Do you see why it's a shame that we're not acknowledging the Spirit is love, just like we would Jesus is love, just like we would the Father is love. The Spirit is equal in deity, attributes, and nature with the Father and Son. Though he, though he is the Spirit, we are to know him as the third person of the Trinity. As such, Scripture consistently attributes to the Spirit characteristics and activities that properly belong to a person, which makes his ministry very personal. So, uh, Alan and Eric and I uh, went to the pastor's college class in February of this year. February? Time flies. And it was on pneumatology. It was on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that, most, that I most came away with is how, through my study, my frail and fragile study, that I had really begun relegating the spirit to power and comfort and peace and counselor and advocate and all wonderful things. But I lost sight of the personal ministry that the Holy Spirit gives. He's the third person of the Trinity. And he is that member of the Trinity that is the one that makes the love of God a living reality and experience in our lives. He's the one who makes the comfort of God a, a reality, a living experience in our lives, the peace of God. So we'll, 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 uh, we'll get to that as we continue forward this morning. This is in your notes as well. This is just a refresher from last week. As Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, listen to how personal the descriptions are. He is the helper who comes alongside us. The person of the Holy Spirit is known as an intercessor. I know AI is coming and can do a lot of things. I don't know that it's going to be an intercessor for us. Not like, not like Jesus and not like the Spirit. Or one, he's one who speaks on your behalf in prayer or teaches you how to pray when you don't know how. He's our advocate who defends us from guilt and condemnation by reminding us of the blood that Jesus shed to set us free from condemnation. He's the person of the Holy Spirit is known as the comforter who doesn't just make us feel better in our, in our struggles, but he strengthens us for battle against sin and Satan and the world. Aren't you comforted when you know you've got... This is, what a, I don't know where this comes from because I, I don't even know how to shoot a gun. But when you, wait, difference between having a gun that's empty versus a gun that's loaded. You're ready. You're ready to fight the battle. The person of the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, which makes him a teacher, a reminder <laughs> Reminding is one of the most important ministries in the world. That's why we parent. Isn't so much a parenting reminding? 
hey, did you clean your room? My dad says my favorite two words in the English language were, oh yeah, oh yeah. I think the Lord would say that about me. That's, he's constantly, I'm constantly needing a reminder. And do you know that God never tires of reminding us? He never tires. He's a counselor. So let's look at all of these personal expressions of the person of the Holy Spirit. Even better than merely someone who comes alongside us, he literally comes to abide in us. <laughs> that makes it even better. He makes his home in us. He dwells in us. And in doing so, he enables us to experience the love of the Father and the Son abiding with us too. Well, that's, that, that's the review. And now let's get in to this discussion about the Holy Spirit as a divine person who provides us with the power of God. And I think that, that, that John, he's such a good pastor as he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit because he's really helping us to understand power as not just sheer force. Like, like that's all we need. We just need force. No, that's when we get in trouble is when we think it's just force is what we need. We need power in the form of love. That's the kind of power we need. And that's what this text is going to come to our aid with. The Holy Spirit's going to come alongside us here, I believe. So you might at first wonder why I'm saying that the Holy Spirit provides us with the power of God. As that, because that, that word isn't specifically used in the text, but it's strongly implied. And let me show you where I'm getting that from. You should always be asking, where are you getting? Okay, you should be asking that. Where are you getting that from? Okay, get to our, get, let's get our nose in the book. Verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Ooh, wow. Well, that kind of hits you right in the, between the eyes. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Man, there's a lot of ways you can interpret that. Well, look at the next verse. Whoever has my command... No, I'm sorry. Let me, let me just go through the, the section first before we start unpacking it. So notice in verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. You think he's trying to get something across to us? Now, that's a lot of talk about commandment keeping. Did you notice that immediately after the first verse, after verse 15, about if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, did you notice that's when he says, I will ask the Father, and he will send you the helper. Don't separate those verses. Where more do we need the help of the Holy Spirit than to obey the word of God? Don't we, need, don't, don't we need his help? But how do we go about doing that? Uh, in other words, it seems like the Lord is telling us that not only does he give us the gift of his word through the inspiration of the Spirit, but he also enables us to obey his word through the power of the Spirit. Really great combination, right? Wonderfully inspired text, inerrant, sufficient, authoritative, um, and uh, inspired and an abiding presence of the person of the Holy Spirit to help us understand and live it out. That's a great gift, guys. We are very gifted people. So at this point, I think we could make the point that every command from God, every command in God's word 
is an opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. So I want you to just meditate on that for a second. Because I just don't know that I'm thinking about that very regularly. I see a command of God, and I, I think I, what I do, my knee-jerk reaction is, I'm just going to try my best to keep it. And I'm not necessarily saying every command of God is an invitation by God to be filled with the Holy Spirit and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's good news, isn't it? Because by myself, I'm not a very good commandment keeper, right? Not a very good commandment. Isn't that true of all of us? We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we, we certainly are getting that out of this text. Let's depend upon the Spirit's power and presence to help us obey the Word of God. But as we keep looking at the text... Do you notice that Jesus does not just speak of the helper as giving us the power to obey? Jesus keeps associating keeping his word with loving him. Hmm. And the role the Holy Spirit plays in our loving Christ. He's the helper. So he's not just coming along to give us the force to obey. Could it also be that he is the person of the Trinity who's also giving us the love we need to obey? Now, very good. You could say, what are you talking about, Willis? Where are you getting that? Let's keep unpacking it. Let's keep unpacking it. The, the word love is used twice as much as the word commandment keeping. Okay? That's another strong thing about interpreting scripture. Love is used eight times in 17 verses. The commandment keeping issue is, is four times. So twice as many comments about love. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper. This is in your notes. I think what the Lord is showing us is that the love, of, love for Christ precedes our commandment keeping and empowers our commandment keeping. Let's go a little further. Let's, let's look at the Trinity. The love of the Father precedes our loving, doesn't it? In this is love, 1 John 4, 10 and, 10 and 19. This is in your notes. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's always going to be focused on what Christ has done and who he is. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Can we say amen to that text? Yeah, that's such good news. Well, how about this? The love of the Son precedes our love. This was Alan taught on this when he was teaching John 13. Now before, verse John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world uh, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, meaning he loved them to the cross. He loved them to the cross. The love of the Son precedes our love, doesn't it? So he, he precedes us. Well, how about, here we go. Here comes the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you know that the love of the Spirit precedes our love? It's in Romans 5. God's love has been poured, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When did that happen? Salvation. Salvation. That was your regeneration experience. 
That the Holy Spirit, the per, that third person of the Trinity, comes in and makes us alive to our peril, the peril we're in, in terms of our guilt and condemnation and our law-breaking and the punishment we deserve. But he also does this amazing work of pouring the love of God into our hearts, to where our hearts are melted with the beauty of Jesus and the price he paid for sinners like me. That's the love of the Holy Spirit is being implanted in us at the moment we're first believing. Do you realize that? Can I tell you what? I don't. I don't think about that. I don't know what I think. It's wrong, whatever it is. It's been wrong because I am not starting with the fact that my salvation begins with the Holy Spirit pouring out the love of God into my heart. Now, is he just pouring out a doctrinal view? Doctrine is super important. We, the, God gives us the text of his word as the guiding light for us. It illumines our minds, but it's also supposed to invade our hearts. It's supposed to invade our experience. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It's an experience of the presence of God. Isn't one of the greatest things about being a Christian is being loved. I told, our, I told our, our elders, you guys, our leadership team, oh, they are an amazing group of men. And you should pray for them for all that they have to do to, <laughs> to care for me and all my goofiness and stuff. I, I sat with them a few months ago, and I was just going through some really tough stuff, and I wasn't doing well taking thoughts captive. And, and I, just, I just had tears, and I said, guys, I hate to admit this to you, but I just need... I just need prayer to, to really know and experience again that God loves me. How I'm a pastor. I don't know that I'm remembering that God loves me. Is it okay? That, I can't remember if it was Alan or Hugh or one of the guys said, Billy. They said it more loving than that. Um, I said, Billy. If Will or Micah or Josh came up and said, Dan, I'm going through a tough time. It'd just be great to hear you say, I love you, son, one more time. What would you do? Would you go, oh. <laughs> After all I've done, you need to be reminded of my love. Caitlin, can I come and use you as an illustration? Come here. You know what I do? Cademan, you know what I do. This is, this is really, I'm going to, Cademan, you come here. I'm going to stand here. I can squat down. <laughs> you know what I do? You're my son. Are you kidding? Come here. How's it going? Yeah. Oh, are you kidding? Yes. Oh, I love you. Of course I love you. I always will love you. And I do happen to love you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love you too. Thank you, buddy. So good to see you home. So good to see you home. Um, well, if, if a sinful dad can express that kind of reminding love to his sons, how much more a perfect heavenly father? This love is a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal for us to think Holy Spirit love because he in our regeneration is establishing love as the foundation of it all. 
And that's going to have a big difference. It's going to make a huge difference when we think of the comfort of God rooted in the love of God shed abroad in our hearts through the Spirit. When we think of the counsel of God, when we, but how about this? When we think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how much headache would we have saved ourselves? If we understood the Holy Spirit, he started my salvation in love. So I can't associate anything about the Holy Spirit with anything else but first love. So guess what? So gifts, right? It, it's right there in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, love chapter 13, right? The love chapter. It's not the wedding chapter. It's, you know, it's not. It's the love chapter, meaning it's the anchor of the teaching of the gifts. Where is that coming from? The Holy Spirit in our regeneration. He poured the love of God out in our hearts. So that wouldn't that, doesn't that make you a little bit more open to going, wow. So the gifts are expressions of the love of God. Yes. I don't, I don't play any board games, so you probably just saw. He doesn't play board games. Um, yes. Yes. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that make us a little bit more, wow. I'm, I'm going to quit being open but cautious. And I'm going to move into being that person that eagerly desires spiritual gifts. If the founding of spiritual gifts is love, <laughs> what do we need to fear, right? Well, we'll, we'll still be us. We'll, we're still frail, fallen, sometimes foolish people, and we can goof up. But if love is guiding us, that's a new day, isn't it? That's a new day. So when the Holy Spirit regenerates us, he opens our eyes to see and believe in God's love shown to us in the death of Christ. So it's always going to be related. The spirit of truth and the, and the, and the love that the spirit pours out, they're always going to be related. They're best friends. So it's always going to be connected to sound doctrine. And as we believe in God's love, the Spirit pours that reality and experience of God's love into our hearts. As we believe that God showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. There's the truth and it's a living truth and it illuminates our hearts. And the Spirit doesn't just stop there. He pours the love of God into our hearts as the helper. Brings in a whole other definition of helper, doesn't it? Oh, man. So, this John Piper, this is classic Piper. So, it's in your notes. Love for Jesus. So, this is going to be now, what's the Spirit? What kind of love is the Spirit bringing into our hearts? And why is this going to be so significant with commandment keeping? Okay, here we go. Love for Jesus means desiring Him because He's infinitely desirable. It's admiring Him because He's infinitely admirable. It's treasuring him because he's infinitely valuable. It's enjoying him because he's infinitely enjoyable. It's being satisfied with all he is because he's infinitely satisfying. It's the reflex of the awakened and newborn human soul. That is so well said. To all that is true and good and beautiful embodied in Jesus. Oh, Oh, I love that. That's what the Holy Spirit does, guys. Isn't this wonderful? Oh, I'm so excited to grow in this with you. In short, Piper says, loving Jesus is not a matter of doing excellent things. He's relating to the commandment keeping. 
It's a matter of delighting in an excellent Savior. Jesus says doing excellent things, i.e. keeping my word, is the result of delighting in an excellent Savior. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So do you see the difference this is? Versus Jesus just daring us. If you love me, almost like mafia. If you love me, you'll keep my word. Like God has, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't get much sleep last night. Um, but isn't it, sometimes, don't you, sometimes scripture, can we can really twist it and misunderstand it. This is not a threat. This isn't some sort of thing. Now, boy, you better be 90% at your commandment keeping. If you're going to really love me, you better be at the 90% level. Or else you don't love me. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit has shed abroad the love of God into your heart. And the fruit of the love that the Spirit has given you is a desire to keep the commandments. Amen? Amen. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God who is at work. What? You finish it with me. In us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Thank you, Jesus. I, isn't, doesn't that just, now that's drenched in grace. Now that's drenched in hope. Now it's, I hope I can, I sure go, I hope I don't blow this. It's, oh Lord, I'm so thankful that you have poured the love of the Spirit, the love of God into my heart through the Holy Spirit. And that is my hope and grace to grow increasingly to obey you because I love you. And that love didn't start with me. It started with you. Oh, man. Guys, the gospel, I shared this at the youth retreat. The gospel was never to be the solution to a bookkeeping problem. What do I mean by that? The old school songs. I owed a debt I could not pay. Here we go. He paid a debt he did not owe. Okay, let's quit singing and think Dave Ramsey. And I'm debt free! <laughs> that's truth, right? But that's not necessarily engaging the hearts of people. You know how many people believe that? But you don't, you don't, you don't see any discernible difference in their hearts. I mean, that, shouldn't there be a joy? I mean, they, I mean, you hear it on the radio. People are really joyful about the dollars. Are we really joyful about the divine? I don't want our kids growing up just, just being able to do the math of the gospel, the bookkeeping of the gospel, and yet never have their hearts warmed by the love of Christ in the gospel and the presence of Christ that the Spirit gives to us. We can believe in the doctrine about Christ, yet not experience delight in Christ. It's not just knowing about God's love and your intellect. It's experiencing God's love and your affections. And that doesn't you have to mean, you have to, Joshua, yesterday, 
So I was with you guys, guys, men, if you could, if you could you know, those of you who couldn't make it yesterday, not everybody can be at the same place at the same time. Oh my goodness, you've got to get online. And you've got to hear Steve Avampato, Joshua Taylor, and Christian Cotton give devotions about the virtues that are shaped because of our pursuit of being gospel-centered. So Steve spoke on humility, Joshua spoke on joy, and Christian spoke on gratitude. Oh, it was so good. It was better than the breakfast. Breakfast was good. Cracker Barrel was good. But oh my gosh, guys, thank you for serving us so, so well. But Joshua was, Joshua was reminding the guys, how did you put it, Joshua? So to have joy, you don't have to be like Pastor Billy. <laughs> I'm going, oh, amen to that. Thank God they don't have to be like me. When we talk about experiencing God's love in your affections, it doesn't mean that you have to be the God. You don't have to be jumping up and down. But shouldn't that be seen somehow in your life? I'll bet, I'll bet if I spent a week straight with you, I bet I would see affection rise up in your life for something. It might be in the form of anger. Maybe you say something. Maybe you're more passionate when you're anger, angry. Maybe you're a sports fan and you get more passionate because of your interest in the sporting team. Maybe... Maybe it's, it's that, you know, for years, I, I, an older dad told me, man, your kids are going to really be able to see where your treasure is there, where your heart be also. So he said, he, he said, man, if they're hearing you cheer louder for a walk-off base hit, then they hear you cheering on the memory verse that they, they studied or the character of Christ's quality they exhibited in the home or they're, they're initiating Bible reading, or, or, or wanting to pray for the family. Man, your kids are going to, you're going to go, they're going to start going, wow. I see what dad's really affectionate about. And it doesn't seem to be the things of God. So every human being has affections. You might be an introvert, you might be a quiet, shy person, but every human being has affections because we are made in the image of God. Um, they don't have to look like other people's affections. But is there an affection for you, you about Jesus and his love? Have you experienced that? You know, a great prayer this morning would be, Lord, I'm, I'm seeing this in, this in the text. And maybe I've been just so afraid of feelings. I've been so afraid of just, I don't know, being out of control. I don't know what it is, but I don't. I don't want to resist an experience of the Spirit that you want to give me, particularly when it's rooted in the cross of Christ and what He's accomplished for me and what you want to do in my life and changing me. Verse 23 ends by saying this section, if anyone loves me and keeps my word, my father will love him. Hmm, this, what is that talking about? Is, that, is this legalism? Is this, is this kind of God saying, okay, if you, if you do it enough, my father's going to love you? I don't think so. I think it's what I was trying to share with the men today. I think as we, as we experience the love of God in the death of Christ and resurrection of Christ for our sins, in the outpouring of the Spirit in our regeneration, pouring out the love of God into us. And as we are now, by its grace-enabled, its Spirit-empowered, we're, we're obeying the Word. 
I think what the Lord is saying is, as you grow in your sanctification like that, you're going to experience more of my love. That's why it's important for me to have hugged you today. Because may you ever grow to know, not just the love of your wonderful dad, not just to know the, the love of your weird pastor, but to know the depth and breadth and length of God's love for you, buddy. And may that be for all of us. May that be for all of us. I think that's what he's saying. You're going to experience more of the Father's love as good as it was yesterday. Oh, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen anything yet. God never designed this to be the keeping of mere rules. They're always supposed to be expressions of love for God and love for neighbor. And now do you kind of get it? You're starting to go, oh, I, other scriptures are coming into my mind here. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? He said to them, oh, you want to talk about commandments? Why don't we talk about love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Where's the ability to, to do that from? The Spirit pouring out the love of God into our hearts. And, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that interesting? That even the great commandment is all centered on love for God and love for neighbor. Oh, how, oh, how we have, and Anthony, this is why I think when you say we treat the Holy Spirit like a weird uncle. We have treated him like a weird uncle in this area, I think. When we haven't, when we haven't thought, Holy Spirit, oh, love poured out into our hearts from God. What time? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have to finish this today. Okay. So let me, let's move on to uh, the third point. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who provides us with the peace of God. So after everything we've said, <laughs> is it any wonder why we would, would not experience the peace of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit? Let me just say one other thing. This thing keeps banging on my brain. One other evidence that the Holy Spirit and the thought of love should be just quickly mind, we should be quickly mindful of that. Tell me the fruit of the Spirit. Love. <gasps> Oh my, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And you know, the, the, some of the commentators feel that that's actually the fruit of the Spirit. Almost like a pomegranate. So, so the, here's the fruit, here's the pomegranate, but you open it up and there's all these elements to it, right? There's all these, I hardly have ever eaten a pomegranate. So don't you eat seeds, right? Something like that. Um, so, you're, so you're eating these different delicacies in that one fruit. And some think that that's what the Spirit, that, that it's talking about. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love. <laughs> well, you start connecting these other verses. That's, that, that's a good consideration. Even if it's not, it's the leading edge, isn't it? It's the soil that everything else grows in. So, okay, about peace. Jesus tells us that his peace is a peace the world cannot give. What do you mean by that? Let's talk about the peace that the world can try to give us. It's uh, the sort of peace that I, I've heard somebody say it this way. The peace that the world can give us is just a ceasefire in our circumstances. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's just a ceasefire in our circumstances because we tend to think of peace 
as carefree circumstances. No problem in my circumstances, thus I have peace. And so even as Christians, we try to control our world. We try to control other people. If I can tr control other people, maybe I'll have more peace. You know, because people, people in all their problems, you know, people in all their sins, people in all the way they've hurt me, people, if I can control the world, I can have peace. Well, sorry. The ceasefire ends really quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> in other words, it's a peace based upon and dependent upon good circumstances. It's a peace based upon or dependent upon a lack of conflict in our lives. We can have some sense of peace if we're not conflicted within ourselves. Conflict starts here. It doesn't start with you. It starts in me. I have conflict in my own heart. And then it's conflicts with other people. We can have a sense of peace if we're not facing a conflict. How about conflict between health and sickness? Or between prosperity and poverty? And all of those are just fragile and temporary and momentary moments of ceasefire in the circumstances. And, and ultimately, aren't we depending on ourselves or upon someone else to bring those to us? And nobody can give us the peace that God can. Because of those momentary expressions of temporary peace, they're fragile, finite, fickle. That's, did you notice that Jesus, when he's talking about this, he said, let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. And isn't that so much when there's no peace, there's trouble and fear. There's just troubled hearts and fearfulness. The peace of God's not dependent upon us or upon our circumstances. In fact, it's a peace, a shalom. It's a deep sense of contentment and rest and joy and satisfaction and quiet that can exist in the worst of circumstances. The world can't give that. It can give, we can have peace in the worst of circumstances. That's what Paul says in Philippians 4. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it's unexplainable based on your circumstances. You don't have circumstances that can explain this. In fact, your circumstances should be saying, I shouldn't have any peace, but I have peace. And that peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, don't misquote that. If, if we're not connecting the end of verse 5 to verse 6, so this is, what, this is how I memorize that verse. It would always be this. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known, God, God. And it's all about me. It's all about what I can try to do. I mean, sometimes the word of God troubles me. Don't be anxious about anything. Yeah, right. It makes a huge difference when it starts with, the Lord is near. So, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Oh, and remember, with thanksgiving, because you already have the Lord. You already have what you most need in spite of what you're asking for. <laughs> He's already right there with you. So let's remember to always be praying thankful prayers. Uh, Christian, you said something yesterday. Tell me if I'm... Oh, he's in children's ministry, isn't he? Um, I think he said it like this. Guys, maybe you can help me remember. Have we really prayed if there's not been thankfulness in the prayer? I think... Wouldn't they say something like that? It was so good. Oh, so good. Remember that before we could experience peace of God, we first needed to experience what it is to be at peace with God. 
And that, that would be for someone today who maybe you don't know the Lord as your Savior. You don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord. And you struggle. You, you, you're a religious dude or dudette. <laughs> you, you, you have some beliefs. You, you have some agreements about the scriptures. But, man, your heart's constantly troubled. There's worry and anxiety. And, and you just never can seem to get your arms around it. It might be that you're, you don't have a saving relationship with God through Christ. You see... Christ first makes peace with God. What, you don't first need an experience of peace. You need a reconciled relationship with God. That's what you need. You need peace with him because as sinners, we're at war with him. We're at enmity with him. We follow the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, the boastful pride of life, the lust of the eyes. We're at war with him. We think we know better than he does. And the only reason we pray to him if we, is, is, is when we think he's going to give us what we want in spite of what his will is. You see, we're at war with him. That deserves justice. That's treason. He's perfect. And you think you know better than he? That's a sin that needs to be punished. Good news. Jesus comes, lays his life down on the cross and is treated as though he committed all of your guilty sins in your thoughts and in your deeds so that you could receive all of the forgiveness that would be full and final forever to be considered and counted righteousness, to righteous, to be adopted as a son and a daughter. Before you can experience the peace of God, you have to have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ his death, burial, and resurrection. If you haven't experienced that, I want to encourage you to talk to one of our leaders. Talk to another, somebody in your row today. And just say, I, I want to know Jesus as my Savior today. And that, 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 that'll be a highlight of the day for all of us. So remember that. We're reconciled to God by his grace in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus says, interesting, this is the way we're closed. My peace I leave with you. It's not a human peace. It's, it's God's peace. It's, it's, it's the peace of Jesus. What is the peace of Jesus? Well, it's interesting because this whole section of Scripture is talking about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, it's my peace I'm leaving with you. I'm not leaving you with some sort of worldly sort of experience of peace. I'm sharing with you the peace I have. I'm bringing you into my peace. What peace does he have? Well, Jesus wants to give us the peace he has with God the Father and God the Spirit. The Spirit wants to give us the experience of that peace. This is a peace. Here's, here's why this is why this peace is so important. It's a peace that sin cannot corrupt. Isn't that great? Oh, man. Because I still sin way too much. And I'm so thankful that because of his work on the cross for me, he gives me a peace. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there's no sin amongst them, is there? There's, all, there's this amazing shalom in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to bring us into that kind of peace. How about this? Did you notice that at the end of the text, he says, uh, Satan is coming. The prince of this world is coming. But Satan has no claim on me. You notice that? Well, guess that's another reason why we have peace. Because it's a peace that Satan can't take away. 
has no claim on Jesus. Jesus credits us with his righteousness. Satan, all he can do is lie to us and, and try to get us to believe lies. But there is therefore now more, no more condemnation for us, right? Because Jesus died and rose again. There's no more condemnation. So, wow, what a peace that sin can't corrupt it and destroy it and, and, and take it away. Satan can't corrupt it and destroy it and take it away. And then Jesus says, did you notice at the end, he's saying, listen, guys, don't think that I'm going to the cross because Satan's in control. Uh, he has no claim on me. That what's about to happen, as bad as it is, is because I'm in control. I love you, and I'm going to lay my life down for you. I love the Father, and I'm going to lay my life down to glorify the Father who loves me. And in all of that love, you're going to be redeemed. You're going to be rescued. So don't confuse this. When things get bad and the darkness falls, don't confuse that Satan won. God is sovereign, and he is lovingly sovereign. And he has the last word in all things. Amen? Eric, come on up. Come on up. And let's, let's close in worship. Steve and Amy, uh, you're our prayer team this morning. Would you guys come with the worship team? And what a great morning to pray. Guys, what a great morning to pray. Um, if there, if, if just anything that you just want to have your beliefs doctrinally to be hand in glove with the experience of those truths in, in your relationship with God. It'd be a great thing to pray for. Just, God, please, help me experience the love the Holy Spirit gives and provides. Um, there's so many things. It may be that you've, you've been, boy, you just have not had peace for a while. And today's a day for you to experience the peace of God, not trying to get your circumstances in order, just coming and remembering how much God loves you and how he proved that love in Christ Jesus. So there be, or, or anything else that you need. If you need prayer for healing, if you need prayer for strength and endurance, Steve and Amy are wonderful people um, to, uh, to pray for you this morning. Uh, I'll come up and close us at the, uh, at the song.